1: In my new book, With Mark Tim, mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com.
2: Welcome to the podcast. This is Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be interviewing Rob Turley of WhiteRabbitIntel.com. Rob, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yep, so happy to be here. Uh, super exciting. Uh, Sharkpreneur, it's a fun, fun little title, so uh, I'm excited.
2: Well, thank you very much. We're excited to have you here. So tell everybody a little bit about what White Rabbit Intel does.
1: For sure. So brass Tacks, we're a targeting and qualification engine. What does that mean? It means that we enable people to accurately build target personas, of any desired outcome. If you want more webinar uh, attendees, if you want more sales, if you want more, it's just whatever outcome you wanna measure, you look at that, measure it. We analyze it, we build the persona around it so that you can use it to generate hyper-targeted leads, use hyper-targeting methodologies so that you can use a quality over quantity approach because the noise and the high volume approach in the market is what has been drowning everybody. And every time that we double the ads, double the, lead, uh, double the outreach, it screws it up for everybody. Think about everyone doubling that. This is why the market is is virtually like unsellable. This is why success rates are 0.35%. It's disgusting. So solving that problem by being the one that sticks out and by nurturing, creating relationships. So the next piece of it is that we're able to analyze prospects that come in that you generate now more effectively to be able to distill even further. So generate leads within your actual TAM or your total addressable market, distill further to identify the ones and detect your best fit prospects before they even enter the funnel, before you even speak to them. So we are distilling it so you can identify the ones within your, what we like to call the YAM or your addressable market. The people who will buy from you resonate with your value proposition and fit your client base.
2: Okay. So that was a lot. There's a lot in there to unpack. So let, I'll, I'll, I'll ask some quite clarifying questions. So, what is the difference between what you're doing and let's say i take a list of my webinar attendees from my last webinar and just upload that to facebook as a custom audience and try and create a lookalike off of that why is yours so much better
1: well what it's doing is that it's just looking it's doing a statistical analysis it's saying okay so if x equals x then it's x standard right great if one plus two equals three then great that's standard but what if one plus two equals four there's no way to actually know that it depends on what environment you're in i'm not going to move down the math route because that would confuse the shit out of people what i'm going to do is say that it's things are not always as they appear think about it this way if you look at a crm let's say you're a software company and you target cro's within SaaS companies period that is your best target and it's within the u.s uh, companies between 200 to thousand on paper in your crm All of your leads look almost identical. How come your close rate's only 10%? If that's your perfect lead, that is your perfect fit. How come only 10% of them are buying? 90% are saying no. There's a lot more going on there than just the superficial surface level. Facebook is doing the same thing, a statistical analysis. If 86% of the people are like this, then that's your best target. When in fact, it's usually the outliers that mean more than the averages. Facebook's algorithm is built against the advertiser because it's a relevance engine. It is not trying to drive conversion. What it's actually driving is the content relevant where it's sitting so that it gets the most impressions and it gets the most clicks to drive up your costs so you pay more. Remember, you're paying them for advertising. They don't want you to be successful. They want you to be just successful enough to keep paying them.
2: So that is fascinating. So they're trying to get you to make not just enough money that you have to keep going, but not enough that you make
1: so much that you don't need them anymore, hypothetically. That's exactly right. And think about it. Facebook's number one product is not Facebook itself. You are the product, the user. They're selling you your data, and they're feeding you advertisements. The, the, the advertisements that are fed to them, how do you think Facebook makes all of their money? It's through ads. Their platform is actually a money pit. They hemorrhage money from it. But all the data on the people and aggregating them in one place, that is a field day, and they make billions. You
2: are absolutely right. So there are a bunch of different ways, a bunch of different use cases for how companies use your data. Can you talk a little bit about some of them? Let's start with the... Um, I mean, you've got different verticals that you serve. So let's say I am a e-commerce, direct-to-consumer company. I'm set, people are punching in their credit cards on the website, buying off of my website, product getting shipped to them.
1: So could you, what is the goal that is trying to be accomplished with the, the case scenario that you just gave me? What, what is the main goal? What is, what is trying to be improved? What is considered a relevant and successful outcome? I want more sales. You want more sales, but what really do you want? Everybody wants more sales. I want more profitable sales. You want more profitability. Okay, so profitability is mainly driven by the cost of sale, right? The cost of sale is one of the most expensive things. The traditional marketing and sales process is a spray and pray high volume approach. Your cost of client acquisition is incredibly high because the amount of volume that you have to spray and pray out there Also, it's very inaccurate. You're not really building relationships. You're not really able to get a grip on who you do business with. You're just looking for someone who's ready to buy right now. That's historically less than 3% of the market. So you're going to fail 97% of the time if you have a perfect system. What people are not doing is understanding who buys from them. It's not about when. It's not about what. It's not about where. It is, well, all those things do come into account, but it's really about who. People buy from the people that they like, trust, and can relate to. What my system measures is the likability, trustability, relatability. Do they fit your client base? Do they fit that ecosystem? Do they have similar values? Do they have similar beliefs? Do they have similar interests? Because people are going to group themselves. Let's say you have um, an insurance, uh, a life insurance agency, and they don't have any sales reps. People just sign up for it because they don't want to talk to anybody, right? The people who buy that life insurance are going to be such a particular grouping, micro niche grouping of people, because most people want to consult somebody before they buy something, especially if it's something like that. So you're talking about a very, whether they advertise themselves, no matter what they do, the group of people who buy from them are very particular set of people with specific beliefs, interests, values, aspirations, and so on. So it's about understanding humans at that human level and analyzing them, quantifying it, so you can understand these people will buy from me. Sure, behavioral analytics is great. It's great for impulse buys, not good for B2B because businesses don't impulse buy. So the trick is who's going to resonate, who can you build a relationship with, and who can you prime to buy when the time is right, not try to find the ones where the time is right.
2: So what does that look like in terms of a use case, in terms of a case study of... a.
1: Uh, of a company you've done this for okay for sure an example would be uh so it doesn't have to be sales i'm gonna use an example for webinars sure there's a uh because it's kind of like out of the ordinary it doesn't matter it's just the desired outcome they wanted to increase the webinar attendance it's a sales uh it's a sales outsource sorry not sales outsourcing it is a sales consulting and training company out in the uk They make most of the money. You know that uh, where you evergreen webinars, you host webinars often. That's how you generate all your leads. That's how they were uh, acquiring business, right? And Facebook ads. So they were having issues where they were only getting maybe a couple dozen people to attend the webinars. Um, That was a problem because that's main source of revenue that they could do better. They thought that they should be targeting marketing and advertising firms. They were dead set on it. They've been doing it for years. So we analyzed their data even though they do business with about 86% marketing and advertising companies, our system said you should be targeting it and services as the number one computer software is the number two marketing and advertising is the third. So they said, we don't target them because, you know, salespeople and tech people, they butt heads. They don't get along. And we are like, uh, this is what the data is telling us because our AI is playing a game of chess. This is the path of least resistance, the least amount of moves to win with the greatest level uh, amount of success. That's what it is. So <clears throat> He said, I'll humor you. They teach people to target and sell for a living, by the way. Like, that's what they do. So it's kind of ironic. So, you know, fine, I'll humor you. Ran an outbound campaign. Um, they did LinkedIn outreach, just standard outbound campaign. And they ran a, um, a Facebook ad. And they had a pay barrier right after it. It was like a little sample video. And then it was a 50-pound buy, you know, after that. Uh, they put a $450 budget on that. Uh, they made back 400% on that, $450, after only spending 210 after a couple days only. Their outbound outreach campaign success rate was higher than it's ever been before. So they applied it to webinars after that. Um, They looked at and analyzed the people who registered and attended the webinar. That is the desired outcome. The people who registered and didn't attend, that's the undesired outcome. So you start looking at commitment issues, right? The difference between the people. After they did that, they were upping their attendance with it. They had a significant increase. Um, Then they started analyzing the people as the desired outcome, people who registered, attended, and were upsold to become a client by the end of the webinar as the desired outcome. The undesired were people who registered and attended but did not get upsold. After they started doing that and looking at these, uh, the last webinar that I've seen them host where they had a LinkedIn event for it had 16,000 RSVPs. Uh, It blew my uh, freaking mind. Yeah, it's an incredible uh, jump. How much did their ad budget go up to get those 16,000 people? I don't know. I did not ask. Uh, But what I do know about this is that it was just the granularity and understanding who they were. And that was over the course of, I want to say, maybe uh, either, either 14 to 16 months it took them to get there.
2: I mean, that's to go from a couple hundred to 16,000 is a huge difference. It's just a couple dozen, not even a couple hundred. Yeah. Okay, so that's how it works. So if I'm using this data for marketing, I'm targeting the right people at the right time. I'm getting much greater amount of leads or qualified leads or prospects or sales at a profit. Um, Then you also use this software, also use your program to analyze uh, customer bases for upsell and cross-sell opportunities. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. Cross-selling compatibility analysis is what we call it. But it means that we just analyze the client bases uh, for all of the products within an organization. um, And we can cross-analyze, see where people could be cross-sold or upsold and so on, because about 40% of unearned revenue exists within the existing client base of a company already. Uh, Now, cross-selling compatibility for if someone were to acquire, merge, or within a PE portfolio, if you own multiple companies, usually people will fear overstepping, creating brand damage within their own ecosystem. They don't want to, or a merger or an acquisition fails because the integration fails about 70, 90% of the time. That's the Harvard Business Review statistic, which is terrifying. So what we'd be able to do, analyze all of the clients on both sides, each company, and then we'd be able to do a cross analysis and tell you the probability that the cross sellability would happen all the way down the product with a statistical report. And then later be able to break it all the way down to the very name of each client and the probability, the percentage of probability that they will fit the client base of each individual product within the entire organizational group. So, uh, Ken is 86% likely to buy product B at company B. Uh, but he's only 12.2% likely to buy product A at Company B, so you shouldn't be selling product A because that would probably annoy him, create brand damage. So you want to focus. So it's a whole mapping to give you a structure of all out of all of the, this this entire client ecosystem. Here are all the people you need to sell product A. Here are all the people you need to sell product B. Here are all the people you need to uh, sell product C. And it is it, it's just an accurate um, mapping of where you need to go, who you need to sell it to, who's a fit. So think of it as like best fit detection technology.
2: Now, can you give us an example? I know you can. Uh, if you need to, can withhold client identities. But company A, company B, and then kind of a merger that you told them wouldn't work, and then one that you told them that it would work, and how that impact happened.
1: I would never tell someone that their merger won't work because that is an assumption. Even still, because it could, it just depends on what they're trying to accomplish. Do you want a merger where you're going to have immediate return potential by leveraging? The existing client bases. Why do people? Why do people usually buy companies to uh, acquire their customer base? That's generally the reason why. It's the majority of the reason why. Sometimes it's IP. Sometimes it's this, that, and the other thing. Uh, culture, maybe some some hires and so on. But then there's cultural issues and all that fun stuff. Uh, so that all needs to be analyzed. But if you're trying to make money in a merger and acquisition, we would be we would tell you, listen, this is a bad idea. Your overall cross sellability between the, the products of these two companies is 4.3%. You're not going to sell pretty much anything at all. It's not a fit. And it wouldn't matter if it's adjacent technologies that fit like a CRM and then a lead gen solution. Those together, those, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Great. You still may not be able to cross sell, but we'd be able to, if you're like a, uh, an insurance company buying a tool manufacturer company, we'd even be able to tell you who you can cross sell there. They seem like opposites. Everybody buys tools. You know what I mean? So it's not about if they fit. It's about are the demographics of people who buy from each of them a fit in the first place? So we would say, listen, this is not a good idea, though. Let's say it's a 20% cross-sellability. If you can convert 20% of the clients outside of the company, that's a lot of money, and that's a win. That's worth it. If you're over that, that's a ridiculous win. So if you're in it to boost revenue and find companies that will, will merge or hybridize or become part in parcel with one another... Then I would tell you, if that's your goal, absolutely not. That's the only case that I would tell them.
2: Okay. And then what have been some of the results you've been able, this process has been able to help clients achieve?
1: So we've seen a whole array. Honestly, it depends on their company. Depends on what they sell. Depends on how much they action on the data and how much they uh, change to a data-driven process. If they stick to the traditional, we've had people, and I'll be totally transparent here, people who do not comply or follow or use the technology or any of the intelligence behind it will see no difference and they will fail. We've had clients leave us, get pissed at us, and just have zero results because they just do the same shit they were doing before. They have all this intelligence. They know exactly what to do, what not to do, and they just... Keep doing the same thing, and they say, "How come it's not working?" <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, the people who are successful follow it, become data-driven, quality over quantity process. We consult through the whole thing. We've seen people increase their pipeline within a business quarter by about four hundred percent. We've seen people increase their deal velocity by a couple dozen percent. I cannot remember the number off the top of my head. I have to look it up. Um, now, we've also helped people increase their conversion rates and uh, fix their. Um, uh, forecastability. So one company that's a SaaS company, their forecast is within the half a percentile of accuracy every single business quarter after working with us. That is a godsend. That's a huge difference. Yeah. And then the amount of time spent, uh, like 86% of daytime waste, daytime admin waste of, uh, salespeople and marketers removed all that fun stuff.
2: That's lots of fun stuff. So, um, how did you, inv- how did the process
1: come about? So, we originally built a technology that there's no need for in the market because people don't know how to build it. So we built AI to build other AI uh, of data sets that didn't exist. Uh, think of it as like sparse data analytics. Nobody knows what the hell that is. Nobody's building anything like that. Everybody just rents their AI. Most of the companies out there that have it, they just rent it from Facebook, Amazon, whatever else, slap a different label on it, package it, ship it, and upsell it as something that, it, that does what it doesn't do. Uh that's generally what's out there, um, which is bad for us because the bad taste people have left in their mouth. Now it's where was I going with this? That's the question. How'd you come up with how did it create get created? <clears throat> yeah, no, so we created something that did not exist in the market. <clears throat> there's no, there's no demand for it. Like, you know, they say if you build it, they'll come. That is a lie. They will not. Okay, ever. You need to build it to the market's needs. So people started asking us, can you help us with marketing? Can you help us with sales? Can you analyze this data? Can you generate leads? We don't generate leads. We've got went down that route. We do not want to be in that shady market. We make data intelligent and actionable. Anybody can get data. Anybody could generate leads. It's easy, it's cheap. It's about knowing what to do with it and being able to use it to make you money, to make things actionable, to make the best use of your time, to give you that competitive edge. So what we started doing and what we transformed into after several pivots, Is that based on what the market was asking for, this was the greatest point in pain. It's not the symptoms that they're feeling that we're solving. We're solving the actual core pain. And the problem is high volume outreach. The problem is spray and pray tactics. The problem is thinking that sales is a numbers game. Everything's a numbers game. I'm a firm believer that math is literally all of creation. But it's not the numbers game we thought. It's very specific. And people buy from people they like, trust, and can relate to. So based off of all the complaints, all the issues, all the data we've analyzed, we have come to the conclusion what people need help with is the target because it is the foundation of everything. If you think of it as a set of Jenga, the target's the bottom layer. You don't pull out the side brick in the bottom layer. You're out of your freaking mind. It's either going to wobble or it's going to topple. Guaranteed. If your target's off, the next layer is the message. Doesn't matter how much money you dump into that message. You can get tons of engagement, but conversion still won't be there the target's off, the message doesn't matter, no matter how accurate it is. you perfected. Congratulations, you perfected a message around a target that's irrelevant to you, right? So it's the core element to everything else in the marketing and sales processes that needed to be fixed, and then being able to predict which people to reach out to so that you're not dealing with all the noise.
2: You've achieved so much success. What is your biggest challenge now?
1: That's a really good question. Our greatest challenge is market validation, believe it or not. so our top three competitors they're not companies we don't actually have any direct competition and i'm not saying that as a startup idiot i'm saying it as it took us a year and a half to figure that out by speaking to all of our competitors in which we partnered with half of them (laughs) they don't do what we do right so our great our greatest competitor competitor number one public enemy number one the status quo the do nothing attitude i will not change I don't need to change. I fear change. That is one of the greatest issues that we run into is that they do not want to change. I call it status quoitis, and yes, that disease is terminal. Don't have it, okay? Now, the second greatest competitor, skepticism. We tell people they think it's incredible. Some people think it's a magic bullet. We assure them it is not because it does take work and it does take finesse to properly implement and use these processes to become data-driven. It's not an overnight thing, but people are skeptical. They think that technology like ours that does what ours can do, which is proven that it can do, is quite literally impossible and cannot exist.
2: Your passion is obvious. What is most, what are you, what are you enjoying the most about
1: what you're doing? It's the unknown. I learn something new by analyzing data, using our system with clients, whatever it may be, about selling, marketing, or just data in general, every single day. There's a new challenge every single day because businesses are so organic and learning how they're constructed. Every business is, what I've learned is that every business is pretty much the exact same thing. It's a group of people working toward the same mission, vision, and purpose you hope, or otherwise it won't be around for very long, um, with an objective to bring in revenue, to be able to support their families by offering a product or service that helps solve another problem. That other problem has a solution, that other problem has a solution, it's all connected. Those, It's all the same thing, generally the same structure. They're all the same. The difference is the culture, who they sell to, and just overall the execution, distribution, and delivery of the whole thing. That's why the target's so important because the only thing that differs you from another company, no matter what they sell, how you deliver your product, What your product does, what it solves, what it is, what your service does, what it solves, what it is, and the demeanor that you have and the values that you instill and how you connect with others by resonating with those values. Why do two people connect? How do people have a relationship? They have to have things in common. It's all about that. I have found that the target is quite literally the core to all of it, all of it.
2: Awesome. Well, this has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Rob Turley of White Rabbit Intel. For our folks watching or listening who want to learn more, where is the best place for them to go?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, www.linkedin.com forward slash I N forward slash Robert Turley. Or you can find, uh, you know, you can go to my website, www.whiterabbitintel.com. And I also have a podcast. There's a link to meet with me there if you want. It's called Down the Rabbit Hole. It's at podcasts.whiterabbitintel.com. And we just, I just got announced it hasn't actually been publicized yet. It will be by the time this releases, but uh, got third place. So the bronze for the top sales awards, top sales and marketing podcast. And I would love to have you on set.
2: That is awesome. Congratulations on the award. And I would love to be on and we'll be happy to set that up. Beautiful. All right. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time.